This is the Stoppage Time Podcast from WEGL 91.1, giving you the latest on all the big talking points from the Premier League and the Champions League. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stoppage Time. I'm your host, David Ordway. I'm joined in the studio this week by Andy Hewling. How are we doing, Andy? Doing good. How about you? I'm surviving. School's tough right now. But we got that wellness day next week, you know, that, that one day. Mm-hmm. It's great. Oh, we Just like a spring break right there. Oh, yeah. It's like spring break all in one day, and it's 24 hours instead of a whole week of it. Hey, you got to have a whole week of fun within the 24 hours. And there's Champions League, too. Brilliant. Look at that. See, now that's a good wellness day. Uh, I'm also joined, as always, by Chris Basinger. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good. It's been a good day. I went outside some more. I uh, bought a couple books. Looking forward to reading those in the free time that I do not currently have. Probably a good idea. You also told me the books, and I had no idea the name of them. So, uh, I bought The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell and Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. And this is not a sponsorship for either of those two books. It's just what I bought. The last book I read was a Harry Potter book, and it was an audio book. Congratulations. I'm also joined by Harrison School. How are you doing, Harrison? I'm doing pretty well, David. How did you read an audio book? I count it. <laughs> Because when it, people ask me how many books I read, I say, oh, there's two this year. I'm on my third right now, which means I've listened to the audiobook of Hunt for Red October by Tom Clancy and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And now I'm on the Chamber of Secrets because I saw the movies and I want to watch read the audiobooks. Even though I'm reading well, them. David, if you think about it, a podcast is similar to an audiobook. So if you listen to our podcast every week, it's like reading a book every week. I should just start doing audiobooks. I should just start being the one to actually read them. There you go. And I could do the little voices like, come on, Harry, like I'm like Hagrid or something. That was terrible. Oh, this has gotten off to a great start. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's, <laughs> let's get into the, the games, and let's start with uh, the one we all could have guessed, Manchester City 2, West Ham United 1. Um, Ruben Diaz scored a, two center backs, scored two goals. Uh, Ruben Diaz scored um, in the 30th minute, then Mikel Antonio scored in the 43rd. And as I've just reali- uh, known and found out that Mikel Antonio is now uh, is playing for the Jamaican national team, um, which is really interesting. So the United States is going to play him, and he's going to expose our center backs. Uh, and John Stones scored in the 68th. Um, I know there was some weird stat, Andy, and you might be able to correct me on this, of something like they have – these two center backs combined have scored more goals than they have let up this year when they're playing together. Is that correct? Yeah, so they've scored five goals and only let up three, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Because not a lot of teams do that, especially with their center backs. It's, it is, it's really crazy. Um, Andy, you know, you guys keep winning. This is your what in a row? 20th straight in all competitions. Yeah, it, it's a crazy, crazy number. You guys are now, uh, if I look at our wonderful table, which makes me cry, uh, you are now 12 points above United um, and 13 above Leicester. Uh, you guys are running away with this. There's no doubt now that you guys are going to win the league. Um, do what's your what like what what do you want to see now for the rest of the season? I mean, is, is Champions League? I mean, you're going to win the Prem. Is Champions League like the thing? Yeah, I mean, I think City fans know after, especially after winning the English treble two years ago, it's the Champions League. It's what they've strived for it's what the club owners have wanted and they brought in pep to win the champions league and that was the main goal of the club but obviously you know winning trophies in england is great and i think pep wants people to realize that 
you know, having success in your country is important. And that's why he stresses the FA Cup. That's why he stresses the Carabao Cup and the Premier League. But to win in Europe would be a monumental step for Manchester City. And even in a year that's been kind of marred by having no fans and COVID, it still will be impressive no matter how it comes. And I think City have a chance to do it this year. I think it's probably one of their best years to do it. I know I've said that before with these teams that, though this is the best year, but I truly believe the way City's defending, that gives them a leg up other than past seasons where it was all offense and not a lot of defense. Yeah, I I agree. I think uh, definitely the way the league's going, this is City's best shot to not only run away with the title, but also feel secure in that department, right? Because we've seen uh, challenges in the past with teams trying to go for trebles, trying to go for the quadruple, get burnt out in the league. Um, I, I think that's part of why uh, City didn't win the quadruple in uh, the 18-19 season is because Liverpool kept it really, really close that year and only finished a point behind. So City had to focus a lot on those last 15 Premier League games that they won in a row. Liverpool also won 12, 13 games in a row at the end. So that's what kept it tight. But now that they have this much space in between and they're already in the final of the Carabao Cup, which I personally believe Pep was personally brought into Manchester to do was to win the Carabao Cup four times, not to bring home a European trophy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and already still still in the FA Cup, goals ahead over Mönchengladbach in the, the Champions League. At this point, it is not absurd to believe that City could win the quadruple this season. Harrison, however unlikely. Harrison, do you think what? Uh, two questions. Do you think they can win the Champions League this year? And then second, what do you think the gap will be at the end of the season? I think they'll probably finish about 18, 19 points ahead of Manchester United or whoever may be in second place come the end of the season. And yeah, I think the only team that stands, in, the only two teams that can really truly stand in their way of winning the Champions League are PSG and Bayern Munich. The same two teams to make it to the final last year. I just think that they have the talent or the collective group to beat Manchester City at their own game at times. Yeah, I mean, and we're watching one of the best teams. I mean, we're watching a really outstanding team here in the prime in Manchester. A fun fact, this will go down as Guardiola's lowest scoring side he's ever managed. Which is crazy. But also, they've only conceded 16 goals this year, which, again, is crazy. We don't see that often. Well, that's Jose Mourinho numbers right there. It is, and he's not Jose Mourinho. He and he, he really isn't. Yeah. But I, I do want to talk about this game uh, a little bit. I thought that West Ham were really unlucky not to come away with a point. I thought West Ham would be one of the prime opponents to maybe end that winning streak for Manchester City. If you look at the XG alone, West Ham had 1.93 compared to City's 0.76, but it came down to uh, a failure to finish, right? Antonio had that uh, early save. And uh, the second coming of Jesse Lingard uh, just got it wide, couldn't get it on target in uh, the 55th minute. Um, so I do think that West Ham should be disappointed. Uh, Manchester City, of course, brilliant goals. That De Bruyne um, lofted pass in was just spectacular and exactly what we expect from him. Uh, but, yeah, I do think that West Ham are a bit, uh, a bit disappointed in a game that City didn't perform to their highest standards. West Ham are currently still sitting in fourth place. Um, 
The only team that can hop them is Everton currently because they have a game in hand, technically. Um, I know, Andy, you chose them to get top four. Are you still pretty confident in that? Yeah, I think so. I think the way that they play and just the free scoring that Jesse Lingard's been doing over the past couple games, and he even had an assist to Mikel Antonio in this game. And I think, you know, they were really aggressive. And I, I will, you know, admit that I think they were unlucky in, at times. And I think that game could have easily been 1-1 if it weren't for John Stones putting that home because City really kind of stalled. I know, like, it was almost uh, cruise control towards the end of it. It was just City trying to defend as much as they could to just finish the game out. But, you know, there weren't really that many attacking options. I think with Aguero out there, uh, it just made things difficult. So, yeah, I think West Ham, you know, j- just the way that they've been uh, – playing I think that they can limit these top opponents and you know really get the results that they need in crunch time all right uh let's talk about the game of the week and seriously I think this is the game of the week in my opinion let's talk about West Brom and Albion Brighton uh one nothing West Brom uh Kyle Bartley scored in the 11th minute um on it was a header this game was a mess this game was entertaining this game was in my opinion better than every other game this weekend except for maybe Arsenal Leicester uh, so first things first, West Brom, uh, got a needed three points. They did not deserve to get a needed three points. Uh, Brighton really, they had two penalties. They missed both of them. Uh, and then there was probably the refereeing blunder of the season. I don't know more than that. The century. It, it was maybe insane. in the Premier um, League. So, a goal was scored. Uh, Brighton scored a – Lewis Dunk took a free kick, asked Lee Mason, the referee, can I take the quick uh, the, the kick quickly? Lee Mason said yes. Lee Mason blew the whistle. Not even a second after he blew the whistle, Lewis Dunk put the ball in the back of the net. The, the goalie was on his post still lining up the wall. Um, it was a really well-done free kick by Dunk. He, he, he played it really well. Lee Mason then blew the, re- the whistle again before the ball hit the net. But it wasn't like it was like right, right. I mean, it was right before the ball hit the net. You really wouldn't have been able to tell. He he started by saying that it was no goal. Then he changed his mind and said it was a goal. And then it went to VAR, and VAR ruled it out. The players were very upset. If anybody saw Lewis Dunk's interview after the game, I highly, 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 highly suggest you go watch it. Um, really well said, basically saying that this is – the what's going on right now in the Premier League with refereeing and VAR is a disaster. We've seen it this whole year, but this is the cherry on top of the cake. Brighton should have absolutely drawn this game. They should have won it, but that's that the other two penalty misses were on them. That was not on anything else. Lee Mason did an absolutely awful job. Um, Harrison, what I mean, do you think it should have been a goal? Yeah, I think it should have been a goal. We've seen that kind of free kick taken um, plenty of times. I think he was, I think Lee Mason was a little off put by the immediate reaction from the West Brom players, and that sparked a reaction in himself to blow the whistle again because of the reaction from the West Brom players. And yeah, I mean, it was just uh, one of a few errors that Lee Mason has made, and this is probably the worst of them. Yeah, uh, a few weeks ago, I think early this season, the Wolves manager called Lee Mason out after a decision in the Wolves game 
and he got fined 25,000 euros for it or pounds. Um, he w- and he basically said that Lee Mason was not good enough to be a referee in the Premier League. I think we saw that this past weekend that obviously he's not. Uh, Chris, um, I know that you think it should have been a goal too. We talked about this. Um, what 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 does the Premier League what does the FA need to do here? What I mean, you can't go back and change the result, but what what needs to happen now? Well, um, uh, referees have in in their own union and everything. The referees have a uh, a scorecard that they keep every week, and this is not made public at all. Uh, this is completely uh, secured. But what happens is each weekend referees are meticulously scored based on each decision that they make in a game and each indecision that they make in a game. Uh, And depending on those scores, they get a report. And if they get a really, really bad report card at the end of the week, they could be taken off a game for the next weekend, given a talking to, uh, something along those lines. We all know that the Premier League referees are not of the highest quality and the highest standards. Uh, And I have advocated in the past for full communication uh, between the referees and the VAR booth and the sideline referees being broadcast, right? They do this in rugby. I was watching the the Rugby World Cup a couple years ago, and they have they, they play every um, every piece of audio that comes out of the referee's mouth gets broadcast so that viewers know exactly what is going on. It also helps keep referees accountable for the decisions that they make because you can see the process that they go through in order to make those decisions. The XFL also did this uh, to uh, great success, right? And we are able to understand what goes through the mind of these referees. I do not know what went through the mind of Lee Mason during that exchange. Um, Should it have been a goal? Probably, right? I think Lee Mason went about it the wrong way. I think allowing a kick like that to, to happen when maybe he just didn't know Sam Johnstone's position, like he wasn't set or anything like that. I think it's a, a bit unfair to let them take that kick when you can obviously see that Johnstone's still trying to set up the wall and that he's communicating with the players and none of the West Brom players are paying attention. I understand a quick uh, free kick taken in the midfield, right? Players need to be alert for that. But from that position, when you've got the the spray can out and you're already setting up the wall, players have a certain uh, mindset that they go into. Like, this is routine. Okay, we're going to line up, and then the referee is going to blow the whistle once he knows that the goalkeeper is in the right position. And that just didn't happen. And well, I think... Well, I, Lewis Dunk did this earlier this year or last year, and he scored a goal on a quick free kick from outside the box. The referee immediately ruled it out, and then VAR allowed it. So th- there's a, the precedent on this. See, but this is different because VAR disallowed this one. I know, and right? it, it's, just, it's just a very particular case. So anyway, um, let's move on. Let's go to Newcastle Wolves. Uh, Newcastle Wolves 1-1. Jamar LaSalle scored the 52nd. Uh, 1-1. Uh, Wolves has not lost a game now, I think, in six or seven. They play Manchester City this upcoming week. Crystal Palace, zero. Fulham, zero. Fulham also has not lost a game in six or seven. Uh, they're playing much better. They're three points back um, from uh, getting out. Uh, Leeds, Aston Villa, uh, El Ghazi scored the fifth, and that was it. 
Leeds did not score. Uh, Aston Villa have scored another goal there, uh, won another game. They are now up to ninth place. Uh, all right, Arsenal-Leicester, 3-1. to one. Uh, And it's Arsenal. Uh, Leicester also lost Harvey Barnes um, in this game. He will be out for about six to eight weeks with a knee injury, um, which is really sad because they're already missing James Madison too. Uh, Yuri Tielemans had scored a really nice goal in the sixth minute. Um, and then Arsenal just... David Luiz, Champions League winner in the 39th. Um, Alexander Lacazette scored in the 45th. And uh, Nicolas Pepe scored in, uh, in the 52nd. So Arsenal is now up to 10th uh, from 11th. But they – are they – I mean, let's, let's start with Harrison. Do they have a chance of getting top four? No, they don't have a chance of getting top four. They are very – I'm sure they're all very aware that they need to prioritize the Europa League. And they were set up really well this week. And I think that this is just a, a really positive note to lead on. I mean, is this like a statement win for Arteta? I, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a statement, but I, I would say it's just something to build off of. This was a depleted Leicester side. Um, without Madison, they do look a little lost. There were a lot of times where Tielemans would receive the ball in midfield and immediately look for that forward pass to a position where Madison would usually take up, and obviously he wasn't there. Uh, Vardy suffers from no service when Madison's not there. So it's just uh, things came into place. Arsenal were very well organized. What a well-worked set piece that they clearly had worked on for Luis's goal. And then the movement for the third goal was was great. A little quick, incisive passing. You could see the speed of thought um, of with Odegaard throughout the game. He is progressively getting up to the speed of the league, and you're starting to see his passing ability. Andy, Leicester, are they going to get top four? Well, you know, looking at the table right now, uh, Leicester is starting to creep backward, and West Ham is four points off them in fourth place, but Chelsea is just five points off, and Liverpool is six points off of Leicester. And I think that's huge because Arsenal did them some favors. I mean, right now, as it stands, uh, you know, Leicester's going to the Champions League, but you know, with guys being out like Madison and Barnes, I think that's going to really hurt them, and they're not going to have uh, guys that can get it to Jamie Vardy on a consistent basis, and just those attacking midfielders that they need to play their game. And, yeah, I mean, I think they've let in a lot of teams. I mean, even Tottenham and Everton are kind of creeping up there too. So, yeah, I mean, Leicester's definitely playing into the conversation of uh, getting knocked out of the top four. Chelsea Manchester United ended 0-0 in probably the most boring game of the weekend. There were a few interesting things that occurred in this game, but it still ended 0-0. Um, Harrison, you had talked earlier this past weekend about you being the happier of probably the two teams due to the fact that you're in second. Um, not that I, I believe this, but is all is he underachieving when it comes to the big six? This no, season? he's not underachieving. This is a much different side to the side that faced the big six last year that was consistently leaking goals in these kinds of games. Uh, I believe their only clean sheet kept against the top six side last year came against Chelsea in a 2-0 win, and then every other game they'd conceded except maybe City. And, yeah, they've kept five clean sheets. Yes, they haven't scored. United are easy to nullify, though. We're all very well aware of the powerhouse that is Bruno Fernandes. And if you drape Kovacic and Kante on him, who are great athletes, and they cover lots of ground and are a nuisance for midfielders in an attacking position. And you got a glimpse of United kind of going for it a bit more in the first half. They did lull off in the second half, but in the first half they went at it. 
they pressed high. They pushed the fullbacks up. They had Dan James in over Martial to just have an emphasis on that high press. And, you know, to bring out some statistics here, there were 27 defensive actions. Now, a defensive action is a ta- attack or an interception. United had 27 defensive actions. 24 of them were successful in Chelsea's half. So it was an improvement on the pressing, a lack of quality with the final pass, and just really no true opportunities for goal. I will say all, both teams had between them 30 shots, I believe, but this is just uh, a side that's learning these new game, these games against the big six because uh, I think they were a little scared by the 6-1 they faced from Tottenham with the setup of Pogba, Matic, and Bruno. They were overrun. Guys weren't fit enough quite for that game, but I think they're just going to be a bit more cautious because of that game. Chris, Chelsea is having issues scoring. They've scored ten goals in their last nine Premier League games. Now they have now um, or under Tuchel, I should say, they scored ten and nine. Now they have not lost under him in the Prem. Is that going to be a problem coming forward? Now um, you, you, they, he, they they are not scoring. Is not losing going to be a problem? I mean, are they? I don't think not losing is ever going to be a problem. Um, but not scoring is going to be a problem. If that's what your question that's, was, I think that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, yeah, no, it'll it'll be a problem, and we can see that Chelsea that Tuchel's still experimenting with Chelsea. Right, he's still playing Hudson Odoi at that wing back position. He played a back three in this game uh, with Chilwell uh, coming back into the side for Marcus Alonso. Um, but this was a very uh, how I would say hesitant game, right? Reserved game. Cagey. Cagey. That's a good word. From both sides, right? I, I have a stat here. Only two of United's 11 shots were taken inside the box. And Chelsea didn't do too much better. Eight of their 18 were inside the box, right? So both teams were having real p- problems penetrating into the 18-yard box to take those shots. I think there were only five passes within the opposition, within 20 yards of the opposition goal over the entire match, both teams combined. I believe uh, four for Chelsea and one for United. Um, so they, they just they, they couldn't penetrate. It's hard, you know. Um, Greenwood and Dan James couldn't really get into the box. Not much supply because Bruno Fernandes is having to work all over the pitch because he's got um, – he, he doesn't have as much support. The team maybe isn't as healthy. Pogba isn't in. He usually is able to provide some of those passes. Uh, and then you see Ziyech coming in and out. Pulisic coming in. We haven't seen him play for a while. He's probably a bit rusty. So, yeah, KG affair. I, I think that the idea with Ziyech this weekend was to press high with or push high with Callum Hudson-Odoi down that right wing and then find the channels in between Shaw and Maguire for Ziyech, and he was just poor with that final pass. I mean, he really he had the most giveaways of any Chelsea player in the side. And I, I'm not sure if they're forcing it with him right now, but I don't, I don't see him as a natural fit in this team at the moment. I think they need a little more dynamism in terms of just going straight forward and attacking, taking people on, because... You have players like Pulisic and Mount who are capable of finding those little pockets of space but add an extra dimension with their dribbling. I know Ziyech has an unbelievably gifted left foot and can really put in a nice whipped cross, but I just think at the moment they need to find another match for that right-hand side. Tottenham Hotspur 4, Burnley 0. 
Harrison, I'm not going to talk about this because I don't want to go on a rant, but I'm just going to ask you, uh, what was your take from the game? You know, I think Bale uh, was the story. You know, just we've been asking, you know, is he going to pan out? Is he going to show consistency? And I know it was Burnley. I mean, you know, you can't. it wasn't like they were playing Manchester City. He scores two goals and assists. But, I mean, still, though, it's good, I think, for Tottenham fans to see him putting in more consistency. And I think that front three of Kane, Son, and Bale is what everyone wanted to see this season. But it just hasn't happened because – Bale's had to get fit. He's had to get adjusted to the team. Kane's been out for a little bit. And Son uh, hasn't had anyone to play with until now. And I think, you know, now that they were all on the field, I was really impressed with them. And I thought that they really showed that they can be dangerous in the final third. And uh, the way that Bale was able to get balls to Kane, especially that assist he had, was fantastic. So I think, you know, they have a lot of good things going their way. Uh, and I think they have a chance if they play like that and put that in uh, to or kind of correlate that performance into big six games and games that they need to win to get in the Champions League. I think that they could do it and they have the quality to uh, you know make it all the way uh, to the Europa League final if that were ch- a chance. We just one game at a time. That's just how I'm taking it and that's trying to enjoy it. You know, yeah. This past weekend was one of them. Uh, Liverpool also go back to winning ways this past weekend, uh, two to zero against Sheffield. Uh, Chris, I know you didn't want to say much on this, but um, how impressive is Curtis Jones? Uh, Curtis Jones is the best thing that happened to this team this season, right? He seems to be the um, the the most impactful player on the pitch. He's gotten multiple man of the matches in his past few performances, and after he was subbed off against City, and after he was subbed off against Leicester City, uh, Liverpool lost. So Jurgen Klopp got the right idea of keeping them on the field for the entire game. It worked against Leipzig and it worked today or the other day against Sheffield United. I, I will say I'm not I, – I wasn't completely convinced by the performance, right? Liverpool had a 2.81 XG, but you had some really, really, really good chances that they just could not put away. Roberto Firmino, unfortunate to uh, get the goal taken away from him because he definitely needs – that kind of confidence builder, I'm sure he'll take it anyway. Um, but there was that chance in the first half. He was one-on-one with the keeper. And uh, Ramsdale was playing out of his mind in in the first half. And um, so it, it, it's just hard, hard finishes. But uh, really, really good to keep the ball in on that first Curtis Jones goal. Uh, that was incredible because I personally thought that it was over the line, so I wasn't even celebrating when it happened. But on the replay – um, saw that it, they kept it in, so all good there. Sheffield United, 21 losses this season, first team to do it this early. They are level with Derby County's worst season in the Premier League right now, so all they need is one point, and they won't be considered the worst team and, in the Premier will, League ever. They will ever. get that point at some point, I, I, I think. Responsible. Hopefully, because I still have to pick them for predictions. Harrison, uh, Everton won one to nothing today. They are uh, tied with Liverpool in points, and they were within striking distance of top four. What was your take from the game? I thought it was a really good side. I just think that Everton were a little bit sharper with the passing. Southampton couldn't find that final third pass to really give Ings or Shea Adams or anybody really a good look at goal. And again, Richarlison, I, I'm fascinated by this guy now because he's got room 
He's got less pressure on his shoulders with the likes of James in the side, Dominic Calvert-Lewin stepping up to the plate. And again, this was excellent. This was just like the one he had scored against Liverpool. He finds his way just in behind the center back, and the ball is laid perfectly by Sigurdsson. An excellent first touch around the keeper, and then a great, great finish. And they really didn't necessarily control the game, but they saw it out because Southampton came with energy and they tried to respond, but they just didn't really have that final pass to find their way into the back of the net. Southampton's in a rut right now. They have gotten one point from their last nine. Interesting statistic I saw today. So Ralph Hasenfield needs to figure some stuff out there. I know they've had some injuries, but uh, still needs to do some stuff. All right, so this week I asked you guys for our interesting part. Um, the Premier League did a Hall of Fame. We talked about this a long time ago, but the Premier League did a Hall of Fame, let's say, induct players now. But I chose each of us. I asked each of us to bring, uh, choose a manager, a defender, a midfielder, and a forward. So, um, Andy, we'll start with you. Uh, who's your manager? My manager would be Arsene Wenger. I mean, I think up there is obviously Sir Alex, and you know, there's an argument that he is greater than Wenger. But I just think. I'm going to go with Wenger because I, I just think the way that he led that team, especially the Invincibles, is the year that we all talk about with Arsenal where they didn't lose a single game in 2004. And I just think that that is so impressive. And then just the legacy that he's had at Arsenal for so many years, uh, he just is a guy that stands out to me in Premier League history. Who is your defender? My defender, I'm going to be a little biased here, but it's Vincent Company, and it's only because that he's had such an impact on Manchester City. He's the captain, the leader, the guy that stepped up when City needed him the most in big games. He won us a title uh, in 2012, won us a title in 2018 with the incredible shot uh, against Leicester City. And he's just been a, a part of so many big games and just really has watched Manchester City and the growth that they've had over this uh, period of success that they're having. So I think, you know, he's just a guy that I, I think stands out in Premier League. He's a midfielder. Midfielder, I'm going to be biased again and say David Silva because he's just not only has he had a successful career in England, he's had a successful career in Spain and he's just been fantastic. He's another guy that City just relied on and counted on, and he scored some incredible goals in his career, so I'm going to go with David Silva. Pretty and long career as well. He, I, to be honest with you, both of those, the company was, I thought about Vincent, I mean, just outstanding defender he is, uh, definitely one of the top defenders ever played in the Prem. And then David Silva, you know, he goes under the radar because he didn't score a ton of goals, but his importance to the play, you could just see it. Uh, who's your forward? My forward is Thierry Henry. And it, it just has to be. I mean, there's so many good strikers even in today and in the past, but he's a guy that just stands out to me. The, the way he made solo runs and solo goals, just like he takes your breath away with some of the stuff that he does uh, if you go back and look at his highlights. So I think Henri is a guy that I would pick. Christopher, you, uh, who's your manager? Yeah, so I gave this one a lot of thought. Arsene Wenger definitely has a good shout. You know, he came in and completely revolutionized how Premier League managers think about playing the game, right? He came in, he introduced uh, England to eating decent food before matches and not uh, drinking alcohol or anything in the dressing room and having actual 
fitness routines and really just revolutionized that Arsenal team. But I, I got to go with Sir Alex Ferguson, right? The guy's got 13 Premier League titles. If we're talking pure Premier League, this is the guy. Wenger's achievements uh, are are right here, but 13 titles. Yeah, you can't really argue with it. Uh, who's your who's your center back or your defender? So I, I gave this a lot of thought. Um, Shout-outs to, to Rio Ferdinand and Vincent Company, right, two center backs who meant everything for their teams at some points, right? When Rio Ferdinand got injured that season, United's form completely dropped off the map. Um, Vincent Company, of course, four Premier League titles for Manchester City. He was huge. And despite the controversy, I, I have to go with John Terry, right? He was at Chelsea for such a long time, saw them through many different managers, had sustained success. Uh, I mean, he, he played in the Premier League for almost 20 years. Um, so he, he's been a mainstay for the majority of the time that I've been watching it. Um, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, that, that's totally understandable. Uh, your midfielder. Yeah, so call me biased, but I put Steven Gerrard. Yeah, that's, right? that's understandable. I <laughs> mean, come on. I, I am going to support this with facts. Uh, just so that I, I'm not called biased on this. But, I mean, the guy had 504 after Liverpool, the most matches as Liverpool captain with 473. Not all those came in the Premier League, but 120 goals was the soul of the club. He he carried that team through some of its hardest years. And I'm, I'm talking about Roy Hodgson here, that sort of stuff. He completely carried the team. He was some of the best midfield striker partnerships in the Premier League that we've seen were Steven Gerrard and Fernando Torres, and perhaps even better, Steven Gerrard and Luis Suarez. Steven Gerrard was in his early to mid-30s by the time that Luis Suarez came around, and he was still firing on all cylinders. We all know those Hollywood passes that he would make 40 yards on a tee for him. Um, he, he played for Liverpool for 15 years, right? He was an eight-time PFA Premier League Team of the Year player. He's huge. He uh, is he is everything to that club and to that city. Absolutely. And your forward. Uh forward gotta be Alan Shearer. Thierry Henry, definitely amazing. But Alan Shearer, the guy won the league with Blackburn on that amazing Kenny Delglish led side in 94-95. Right. The guy's got the most goals in the Premier League. Um in, in Premier League history. Uh, just completely amazing. Fired uh, on all cylinders at Southampton, Blackburn. He came back to Newcastle. Uh, just completely outstanding. Easy choice it's for me. It's hard to argue with, the, with the, the best goal scorer in the history of the Prem. I mean, mm-hmm. it is. And it's not like it's close either. He's got a gap. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was looking at it today. Harry Kane's in eighth right now, and he's still 100 goals behind Sheriff. That's crazy. That's huge. Harrison, who is your manager? I know who your manager is, but go ahead. Uh, my manager is Pep Guardiola because the way he's walked into the Premier League and just absolutely dominated <laughs> is is pretty unbelievable. I will say that this is the Premier League Hall of Fame. I was really thinking English football as a whole, and to be honest, I had Brian Clough. But mm, that's, um, that's, that's, mm. that's it's hard to overstate success of European Cups, even in 79 and uh, 80, I believe. But... Really, Guardiola has come in. He's he's set a new precedent, set a new standard. He's brought the league to greater heights in terms of just performance and overall team success. 
So that's that's why I've got him selected. That, that, that surprised me, but that's very understandable. I mean, with what Pep has done at Manchester City so far, it's it's impressive. Uh, who's your defender? I have Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole is one of the greatest fullbacks to ever grace this league, and to find out that he was a winger that had no desire ever to defend, and it took uh, a row a row between his manager and him to really get this in, into his head that he could be one of the best fullbacks, and ultimately he did. We're talking about a guy who won three Premier League titles, seven FA Cups. He is the most is the most FA Cup honors of anybody, as well as the Champions League and Europa League. He, he is genuinely one of the best three fullbacks that has ever played. Absolutely. And your midfielder? I have Patrick Vieira, the heart and soul of the un, the undefeated Arsenal team. Uh, he was a commanding figure, truly, truly gifted, very athletic, and he was just a powerhouse, and he brought a mentality and a feeling to Arsenal and gave them that edge that they had. And the games between him and Roy Keane are, are some of the – most interesting games to look back on. I wouldn't say they're maybe the most visually pleasing, but they were great, and they were great rows. And your forward. Now I have succumbed to my biases here. It is Cristiano Ronaldo. I just, I was enthralled. I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was one of those, you know how everybody is with the me or the the new trend now is you had to be there. You really had to be there. It was. It was Im- unbelievable, Tevez, Ronaldo, Rooney. I mean, we've all seen the highlights. It's it was absurd, the ability, the speed, the finishing, everything. And I mean, it just it all looked so good and free flow. I mean, it's hard not to put the the arguably the best player of all time uh, in that, and that's totally understandable. And especially since he played for your team, there is no bias there. That's just understandable. Um, if you played for my team, I put him in there too. As well as I believe he's the only player to have taken home the Ballon d'Or. I, th- uh, Michael Owen. Ah, Michael Owen Michael in his Owen. early years. So that is Liverpool and then later for two seasons, United. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Did not know that Won a Premier League with United. That's but he was, more famously, he was a part of the Galacticos side. That's right. That's true. That, that is very true. All right, my manager is, uh, it wasn't, it was between Arsenal and Sir Alex. Um, and I picked Sir Alex any day of the week and twice on Sunday, you know, 13 Premier League titles is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, you really realize how important both of them were to their teams when you look at it now. Um, neither of them have recovered from losing them. Um, I know Arson left a few years ago and, and left on his own. I mean, they both left on their own accord, but I know they're they've dropped off a little. They dropped off a little bit towards the end, but still, um, to see you know Manchester United finally starting to get back to where they were. I know they were in second under Mourinho and stuff, but now you're finally starting to see Manchester United. The, the team that you know kids wanted to be a fan of growing up or kids hated because they were a rival fan of them. Um, and it's nice to see that now. Um, and you can see that he still has his hand in the hat at Manchester United. Um, and with the, the amount of great players that he coached uh, and the different personalities that he had, uh, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, and for that, there's no question for me that it's Sir Alex. Um, my defender is Rio Ferdinand. Um, it's between for for me. It's between him and John Terry, and the only reason I, I mean I picked Ferdinand because I've never seen a defender like Rio Ferdinand uh, in the Premier League, um, n- never. Uh, and you know he's when you're when you grew up playing soccer, coaches would say to you, you know, watch soccer. When you watch soccer, you learn more. And I didn't realize that until I got a little older, and I kind of. But Rio Ferdinand was what you needed to watch 
he was strong. He was a leader. He did everything right. Um, and he was just a statue in the back there for that Manchester United side for, for years. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just an outstanding player. Uh, my midfielder, this took a lot of thought. Um, it was really between three or four. Um, and I included Ryan Giggs in this too, but, uh, it really came down to between, uh, Lampard, Gerard, Vieira, and Paul Scholes, uh, schools. It was not even a question question for me. Uh, just, again, Manchester United under Sir Alex played for years and years and years and years. And, you know, it's it's funny, like, you think about the best teams of all time, and a lot of the players that that I could think of as best players of all time played for United. It just, there just wasn't. Um, you know, and I highly rate Kevin De Bruyne, uh, and I think he will become probably my, that he would probably overcome the spot in a few years, but for now, that it goes to him. And my forward uh, is Thierry Henry, and I hate saying it, but it's the truth. Um, another player that, you know, Alan Shearer was the other player that I thought about. I even put Rain, Wayne Rooney in there. I did. Uh, and the only reason I didn't put Ronaldo in there is because he wasn't long enough in the league for me to say that. Um, and otherwise, he would be. But uh, Thierry Henry was one, is one of those players – um, that plays for a rival club that you will sit there and you will enjoy. And if he scores, you sit there and you go, wow. Sometimes you can't say that about other players. I don't say that very often anymore of, of, of any Chelsea, West Ham, or Arsenal player. I haven't said that in a long time. And I'm saying, and he was the last player that could do that, and I sat there and I went, wow, this kid, he's a star. That's a little harsh on Eden Hazard, if you ask me. It is a little harsh on Hazard. It is. Um a bit harsh on David Luiz. Oh yeah, if you ask me. Uh, you're right. Eden has it, but 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 seriously, he was unbelievable. Um, and you know, even as a Tottenham fan, I I'm thankful for it. You know. All right. Predictions. Our favorite part of the episode. Uh, thank you guys for doing that. Uh, some surprises in there. Um, I was not surprised at the Chris Gerrard call at all, but. Um, oh, who'd you, who'd you think I was going to put? Oh yeah, I don't Liverpool know. legend John and Joe. I, I also I was not surprised about the a few of them, you know, the company or the Ronaldo. But all right, so we're going to start, Chris. All right, so results from last week: uh, three people in this room picked Wolverhampton Wanderers to win a game. <laughs> Wolverhampton Wanderers drew the game. Therefore, Andy, David, and Harrison. All got one point. Three people in this room chose a team other than Wolves and also lost. <laughs> Those three people would be Andy, David, and Harrison, which means that Andy, David, and Harrison each got a point. Andy, one from Wolves, nil from Leeds. David, one from Wolves, nil from Brighton in a truly unfortunate game. <laughs> and Harrison, one from Wolves and nil from Sheffield United. I picked West Brom and Crystal Palace, two teams that you probably wouldn't expect to win any games and got four points somehow. One of those played against Brighton. I still can't explain that game. Uh, quick thing about Brighton, actually. I'm, I'm going to go uh, off the script real quick. But they would be fourth on expected points right now. Fourth. That's crazy. They're They've only a, given up seven goals this year. They, they, they have a negative seven goal differential. They, That's crazy. They are at an 18-point 
disparity between their expected points and their actual points. But back on track. Uh, so that means uh, I'm in the lead with 11 points. Andy and Harrison are tied in second with seven points apiece. And David is last with five points, uh, which means that this is still this is still close, but uh, it's only going to get further apart. So, uh, Andy, we'll start with you. What are your predictions? Well, <laughs> I'm going to use my Sheffield United card and go with them to get a result against Southampton. Because, look, let's be honest, Southampton, they are in terrible form right now. Truly. And I think Sheffield can muster their resources together and pull off something from this game. They have to pull off something. So I'm going to go with Sheffield over Southampton. And then next game, this is a huge game in the uh, relegation battle, but West Brom and Newcastle play on Sunday. And I'm going to go with West Brom to get a result over Newcastle because I think that they are going to uh, march out of the relegation battle, and I think Newcastle is heading down. Do you, do you think that West Brom has a better chance of staying up or Fulham? Well, right now, I mean, I think Fulham just because they're starting to get points consistently. Mm-hmm. But West Brom is playing better, and I really like what I'm seeing. But I don't know if they have enough. Yeah, yeah. All right, David, on to you. Uh, so I need points, right? Badly. Desperately. Badly. So I'm taking Arsenal over Burnley on Saturday morning. Um, and then I'm going to take... This this went against me. I'm taking Newcastle over West Brom. I'm doing it. I'm taking it. It's happening. That that is another. I think David hasn't gone without a week uh, challenging someone else on the show, and I believe David has lost each of those times. I've lost every, I've lost every single time. Every single one of those times. So then I feel good about my. Pick. <laughs> you should. You should. Uh, Harrison, what about you? I will be taking Liverpool to take uh, a win over Fulham. And I'm going to bank on Villa getting a result over Wolves. Interesting. Interesting. Pick, pick United, Harrison. I dare you. Uh, I've already picked them, and I got the win. They beat Newcastle. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Villa have the most clean sheets. In, I believe you're correct. In yes. the league, yes. Yes. Yeah, so I think you are. Impressively, Villa. just got one against Leeds. Impressively. They do. They have 15. Oh, no, 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 they don't. Man City does, but they have they are second with thirteen. Thirteen. Oh, thirteen. How could we confuse that? Whoops. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah hey, of course. Let's, let's though. Martinez is a beast. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah, Saving fair. grace for them at it's times. Fair. Absolutely fair. All right. Um, yes. Yeah, so I I put a lot of thought into this. I was thinking about doing a uh, a, a whole joke about picking City over United and that being the easy choice, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I am also going to pick Aston Villa over Wolves. Um, Wall Street at Newcastle that week or last week. Tough, right? <laughs> really tough. Really tough. A um, Callum Wilsonless Newcastle. Yeah, and Villa just seemed to be keeping things together, chugging along. Uh, and then I'm going to take. Oh, this was this was tough because I really don't know what to, to expect out of this. If if this team plays the way that they did last week, then I should have nothing to worry about. But I'm picking Tottenham over Crystal Palace. Um. If Gareth Bale starts, I, I'd be a lot more comfortable. But uh, David, <laughs> David, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm taking this a game at a time. I'm more focused on Fulham on Thursday. Um, we have issues with Palace, but we do beat them. It's like one nothing when we do. So who knows? We could win. 
All right, and that does it for our predictions this week. Thank you guys for joining in. Uh, we'll, well, we will be back next week. I will not be here next week, but uh, Chris will be hosting the show next week, and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stoppage Time. You can follow us on Instagram at stoppagetime91.1 for news, updates, and more. Be sure to tune in next week for another great episode on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts.